Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. It is a good day for chubby dudes. <laughs> you don't have to worry about your beach body. Someone pulled over a thousand people ahead of summer and found that dad bods are still trendy and sexy even, Lucky. Right. So you put that dad bod out on full display. Yeah. At your local beach. I, I, I think that when the term dad bod is used in a guy's mind, it is a very wide range of possibilities. You know, like, it, it's not sculpted like, mm. like the rock. Right. But... You know, at some point, like, the, the boiler doesn't quite fit the dad bod. It's more just, you know, skinny but not fat or overweight necessarily. I don't know. I, I think uh, I think you can have a, a bit of a gut on you uh, for the dad bod. It's, it, there, yeah, you're right. There's no sculpture to it. Like, I don't know if gut really uh, fits dad bod in a female description of dad bod or if it's just not necessarily sculpted abs. But still, you know, a healthy lean. Mm, I, I don't. I th- no. I don't think. I disagree. I think. Right. I think a dad bod. I don't think it's got a lot to do with health at all because I think that it has been said in the past about the dad bod right. that women find it attractive because it shows that one you're not just all focused on yourself. Right. You've you've let some things go because you've been busy raising children and being responsible. Like I'm thinking more like a, like a Vince Vaughn or a John Krasinski that kind of. Oh, I think that's no. Physique. I think that's too in shape oh, for a really? dad bod. Yeah, what I think you, I think I, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of anybody who would fit the bill. I'd have to kind of look at some actors and try to dig somebody out who who uh, who fits that role. But no, I, I think it's more of a you know the, the, you, you, you're starting to get a little bit of the boob action, perhaps. Uh, there is a bit boob of a gut. action. Well, yeah, as men uh, take a look down, you'll see. Well, yeah, you I might understand. Need a training I just bra. didn't know if that really fits that dad bod description. Yeah, I, I think there's a little. Uh, there's an extra. There's some poundage there. Hmm. I mean, I'm not saying uh, obese, but maybe you're 15, 20, 25 pounds overweight. Okay. In that, I think you know. Yeah, I think there's a bit of a gut to a dad bod. I would think so. Um, and and these women say they like the dad bod uh, over a dude who's all muscles. They think it's sexy. Right. See, that's what I mean. Women are saying there's a big, vast difference between, you know, overweight, 20 or 25 pounds, and all muscle. Maybe think of, okay, I don't know. I've never seen this guy with his shirt off. But I'm thinking like a Brian Cranston. But then again, I've never seen him. Like shirtless, so I don't know. Maybe he is cut underneath. Right. Well, yeah. he doesn't seem like he'd be like twenty five pounds overweight necessarily. Yeah. No. I, listen. Uh, okay. So what do you, what do you got? You don't have a dad bod. What do you got? Uh, I'd like to think I have a dad bod. Uh, and per, and do you per, see yourself as a Vince Vaughn type? <laughs> not necessarily. <laughs> uh, but not quite to the Kevin James. Uh, no, you're side not of there yet. No, but I, I think more importantly, the, the dad bod is a sign of being a little bit older, a little more mature. Maybe not having the time to go to the gym all the time and being stuck in there with right. uh, with the the ripped torso, which would mean, of course, weight gain. Right. So you 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 think that the dad bod has no gut? I I think the female description of the dad bod for those who say they enjoy the dad bod or, mm. or are down with that more than the muscular type mm. is someone who is still lean without the gut but 
you know, not necessarily sculpted. Hmm. Well, then I'm a dad bod in a bit. <laughs> the guy's description of the dad bod is anyone who's a dad and still in their body. <laughs> well, and the dad bod assumes, too, that you probably don't eat the best and you probably drink beer. And then that stuff is what gives you a bit of a gut, too. I notice on me, it's very odd, and I've had this for years. I carry high. Like, I think I'm having a boy. <laughs> like, like, I'm not really necessarily fat around my belt loop, but, like, between the gut and the chest. Right. I don't have a lot of gayness. I got this here <laughs> are you genus or are you more You're missing all enuses yeah oh i haven't haven't seen it in a very long time you and uh, the family have a little coop the dog does uh coop sleep in your bed with you yes he does yeah. he sleeps wherever the hell he wants to sleep does he move around will he sleep with the boys one night and then you or is it mostly uh, you guys well, like last night he went into evan's bed and went to sleep and then uh came out came into ours sometimes he'll jump down he'll sleep you know it's the bathroom we sometimes he goes for the uh like the tile floor because mm. it's cooler i right. think probably right, right. Uh, many in relationships say they'd rather sleep next to their pet than their significant other. <laughs> and that's probably a problem. 2,000 pet owners, uh, out of 2,000 of them, two-thirds say they let their pet sleep in bed. Right. I, I know people who have had, like, two and three big dogs, and they all crawl into the bed yeah. together. Well, and it's an interesting decision, like, early on. Because as soon as you get a puppy, people ask, oh, are you crate treating? Mm -hmm. Right? They sleep in their crate. And we tried. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and it's very much like having a child mm -hmm. in the sense that, you know, Oh, a lot of people like to have the child sleep in their bed with them. It's you know they say it's very dangerous mm -hmm. uh, to do that. You have to be very very careful. But you know it's kind of born out of our own laziness where we don't want to hear crying from another bed or another room or in from the, in puppy's case from the crate. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and babies will uh, usually settle down quicker. Like when a dog is not having it. Yeah. And it's in their mind that they want what they want. They will not stop whining and yapping. Yeah. And he would do that in his crate. I remember how we'd try and nap him in the crate. Mm. We'd, like basically going back to baby times, having a camera or uh, or a speaker in the room. Yeah. Trying to, you know, listen in to see if he's still sleeping or crying. We uh, we have this little uh, grand puppy in, in uh, Sully. And he, he has a crate that they travel with him in. Uh, but he loves to just lie in there and sleep in there sometimes. He's he's weird. He'll go hide under beds or he'll like to hide under a pile of clothes. Or, right. They're just odd. And I find, too, with little dogs, as damn cute as they are, I think that if I ever got another dog, I think I'd get a bigger one. Mm. They just seem easier to deal with. The little ones are just brats. <laughs> For the most part, they got little dog disease. Right. You know, they're yapping at everybody and everything. And I love kind of big old dumb dogs. You know, they, they just lumber around and they don't seem to give a crap. And with age, too, I guess they all slow down. They might not give a crap, but they take a big one. Oh, yeah, that's the problem, though, too. Uh, but people like to sleep with their dog because they say it helps their stress and anxiety because they're a part of the family. That's the number one reason. Theirs or the dog's stress and anxiety? Uh, their stress and anxiety. <laughs> Your quality of sleep is better. Makes you feel more secure at night. Yeah, like Cooper Sully are going to... Ward yeah. off a, I don't know, a break yeah. and enter. Um, this is interesting. Six and ten millennials and seven and ten Gen Zers, Zers, would rather own pets than have children. Wow. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I know a lot of young people who kind of treat that like their test. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
So now that you're officially a, a dog owner for the first time, you know, as uh, in, in your first time in your life as yeah. a dog owner? Yeah, we never had a dog. When uh, the day comes that uh, Coop sheds this mortal coil, would you think you'd be another dog person? Your kids would be older by then and probably yeah. maybe not as into it anymore. Are they into it now? Um, <laughs> have, yeah. they, have they bailed on I mean, the dog? No, I don't know. No, not bailed on it, but a lot of the responsibilities right. of it is yours. Uh, come fall down onto me. I mean, I I think. You know, there are stuff, or, or there are decisions that you need to really contemplate mm. when you're when you're picking or uh, thinking about the idea of a pet. Yeah. Right? And, you know, where is your lifestyle? Are you, you know, do you stay at home a lot? Mm. Do you travel? Uh, do you, you know, how much are you going to have to leave this thing, pay for it to be watched by other people? Rounds of golf you for know. five hours. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's, it, it really does change your mode, and especially for people who, you know, throughout this pandemic, the pandemic puppies, we got one. A lot has right? gone back. And the prospect of, of having to, okay, my lifestyle all of a sudden is changing back to what it was before, yeah. and this thing doesn't fit that, or it has only known this life for the right. last two years, right? right? right and so, right. you know, they have a lot of dogs going through anxiety, which I know people who are not pet owners think, what the hell is a pet anxiety? Mm-hmm. But it, it's, a, it's a real thing when you, when you realize that this thing does not know any lifestyle other than what it's had for the last two years. And yes, they can adjust, mm-hmm. but it'll take some time. Yeah, it really was for a lot of people that... Uh a decision that probably, from what I read recently, that they really wish they hadn't made. Well, I mean, okay, we weren't traveling or going anywhere, jumping yeah. on a, a trip for a, a week or two at a time. And now, you know, if you're going to do it, you have to assess, okay, mm-hmm. who the hell is watching this? Thing? No, for sure. And, and and I'll tell you that we have all kinds of people who just jump up and say, oh, I'll take them. Mm. You know, and all. But to actually ask someone to do that yeah. is is a big, bold step <laughs> in my mind. What did I yeah. say to you when you got the dog? <laughs> One of the first things. Don't show him to Maria. <laughs> don't, I think. don't call me. We heard from this fella, which sparked a bit of a debate. Here's something I wish I knew before I was in my 30s. The best way to button a shirt is from the bottom. Now, this TikToker guy claims he even heard that from a uh, from a designer, from a uh, what you might call a tailor. So, I mean, if a tailor says it, so it must be. And I've always been bottom up. And I mentioned this to Lucky, and of course, he pondered that for a second, and then said, "There's no way." <laughs> like to be honest, I I didn't even know this was up for debate. Yeah, Lucky is a top-down guy, and I don't know that I've ever met anybody who is top-down. Not that I guess I've spent a lot of time getting dressed with men, more right. like getting undressed with men. <laughs> and then we're just ripping things off, you know. So do you, uh, so do you undress from the bottom up as well? When I undress, I want to say tie off, and I probably undo the buttons from the top down. So right. when I get dressed bottom up, listen, zipper up. Bottom up, just as God intended. Uh, so we we put it out there, and and of the responses, I I am incredibly surprised that it is still in favor of top down, mm. the majority. But it's closer than I would have thought. It's like twenty one, like, to- like the twenty one responses we've had, uh, like thirteen or fourteen are top down, all serial like, killers. It's just over half. All right, and, and I find it quite surprising for me if you've got. A, a cleanly pressed, dry clean shirt, and you put it on. Mm. If you put it on from the, if you button from the bottom, you're crumpling that shirt as you move up. No, you're just doing the buttons, and it's all coming together. And then 
you know, you, you kind of wait. You don't do your wrists yet. You leave the top open till you got to go to the tie. Then you put on the pants. When you wear a suit jacket. Yeah. Right? Yes. It has two buttons on the front. Yes. Do you button both up? Well, I go with a Century 21 blazer. <laughs> which I think is a good look. Uh, do I do both buttons up? Because normally it's just the top button. Yes, I do just the top button. Right. Yes. So in order to do that... You have to start at the top well, and move one, down. It's one button. It's still it's still buttoning from the top down. Well, but it's because the top you bring button. the shirt, you bring the jacket together, or you bring the shirt together, and you work your way from top yeah, to down. Yeah, but that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Of course, if you got two buttons and you do up the top button, of course it's going to be top down because you're not doing the other button. <laughs> if it was two buttons and you decided you wanted but to do your, the bottom button, your theory you do the bottom. on the bottom button is that you had to line things up in order to get that bottom yeah, button. That's right. Do you not have to line up? the top in order to do that too no because once you've started the system the once the first one is in place at the bottom like how often have you been doing a shirt and you go oh geez now they got half of it you know you realize you're one button hole out yeah so you got to like, go back to the beginning again like never happens oh, of course it doesn't do. <laughs> james bond <laughs> you start at the top button and work your way button by button down keeping it crisp mm. and you shouldn't miss a hole listen out of your mind. Out of your mind. <laughs> if a tailor says you should go bottom up, I'm going with the I wonder tailor. what tailor that is. I don't know. <laughs> we got to find a tailor. Someone find a tailor. Call That's Harry Rosen. Right. Let's get him on the line. That's right. <laughs> um, what country do you think has the lowest meat consumption in the world and what country do you think has the most? Ooh, uh, let me see. They really like their steak in Argentina. Uh, North America somewhere has got to be among the highest meat consumers, I would imagine. You would think so, but no. Really? I mean, they, they're probably up there, but they're not the number one. Okay. India has the lowest meat consumption in the world. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. They only consume seven pounds of meat per person per year. A lot of vegetarian. Yeah, that's right. In the culture, right? You do seven pounds of meat a day. Pretty much. Australians take first place. Oh, really? They wolf down 200 pounds per person per year. Okay. Yeah. That is a lot. That's a lot of meat. You know, like a pound of meat is a 16-ounce steak. Mm-hmm. And you're having five of those a week? I guess so. Yeah, I mean, when we do, like, any kind of uh, ground beef, I'll always just get, like, one pound. And for three people, we're lucky if we get through that. Right. I mean, I I, I do love uh, steak and and meat in general. And I have it with almost every meal. Like, some sort of, like, we're talking meat, uh, either chicken or some, that is my protein. I don't have a vegetarian dish very often. Right, right. It's not like you're eating beans to replace the meat. Right. Um, but, but I don't think at all in those quantities, you know, even if we have steaks now, like I slice them after grilling them and we just take pre-sliced because Mm -hmm. it stretches the steak further. That's right. I don't know that you need that much protein anymore, Michael. That's for people who are doing things. Right. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like you're running a marathon. (laughs) Only 6.7 people in the world have a college degree. Only 6.7%. Right. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's low, huh? Well, because we just see our own little bubble. Yeah. Yeah, That's all we know. Yeah. 
and, and, and in other countries, that higher level of education isn't necessary. It is funny when you look at like job applications now that you know require or or ask for prefer uh, a college or university degree. Mm. You're like, are you serious? Mm-hmm. They gotta weed them out, right? Yeah. Uh, they, do they ever try and do that quickly? Morgan Freeman has 142 acting credits and has been nominated for 148 acting awards. Wow. He's won 65 times and lost 83. Hmm. The official name of Mexico is the United Mexican States. I did not know that. Neither did I. Ben and Jerry's has an online flavor graveyard for their discontinued ice cream flavors. Each one has a photo. Lifespan and epitaph. Okay, but you can't get any. Probably not, no. Well, once it's dead, it's dead. Yeah. Tony Montana from Scarface was named after the San Francisco's 49ers quarterback, Joe Montana. Oh, really? Yes. Still, one of my favorite opening bits of Saturday Night Live is when Joe Montana was hosting the mm-hmm. actor. Mm-hmm. And it was, I think it was Kevin Nealon who got up in the audience and, and he had like a Joe Montana San Francisco jersey right. on with his kid. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, the color orange was named after the fruit, not the other way around. All right. Mm-hmm. So the fruit was there first. Yeah. You can use Uber to hail a rickshaw in India. Really? Yes. Yes. That'd be a great way to get you know get around. Always feel bad for the guy. Though. You do, yes. I mean, there is is there any higher level of laziness <laughs> than sitting behind someone who's running to take you somewhere? You see them in the summertime. I don't know if we have them anymore, but they used to be down around like Queens Key and, and all right. That. Yeah, I mean, you got animal activists who don't like you know horse drawn carriage because mm. they think that's cruel and unusual. To the animal. I, I guess they would figure the human has a choice and a voice to say something yeah. if they had a problem with it. We're fine with some 14-year-old boy right. running in 32-degree temperatures. Uh-huh. And we don't use a whip. That's true. <laughs> that was taken away. Um, I am going to incorporate this into my funeral. Strippers perform at rich people's funerals in Taiwan because they believe it pleases the dead. Strippers. Right. Cherry pie action at yeah. my funeral. <laughs> yeah. Condolences to the family. She's my cherry pie. <laughs> and uh, the average man produces enough baby batter in two weeks to impregnate every woman on the planet. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> it all goes to waste. <laughs> Are you looking at uh, flying somewhere this summer? Well, brace yourself because the airlines are calling this the sold-out summer. And with that in mind, a flight attendant posted some tips on how to deal with it. First thing is to book your flight now. Do it directly <laughs> through the airline. Get it done. If you, uh, I guess if you book through the airline, it's easier to make changes if right. you need to. Gotcha. You should also bring plenty of snacks and patience to the airport because June is the month with the highest number of flight delays. Well, and listen, that's affecting Canada and especially Pearson Airport right now. The delays are apparently incredible. And, mm. and you know, it was one of the topics of debate in the House of Commons yesterday. 
the delays that they're seeing at the airports. And the airport authority in Toronto is actually saying it's got to do with some of the COVID protocols that are still ongoing and right. the questions that they have to deal with and the random testing. And what used to take 30 seconds uh, to, to check someone through CATSA is now taking two minutes, but that's for every passenger. Right. And so now the average flight has like a one-hour delay on the tarmac before you get off the plane. Wow. Uh, so there's delays checking in. There's delays coming home. Uh, it is brutal right now. And also massive delays for passports. Mm. So if you are planning on flying this summer, might want to check the passport that it didn't expire or about right. to expire uh, after the pandemic. I think I mentioned to Maria we should do that recently. And then she kind of looked at me and said, do we even know where our passports are? So we have to, <laughs> have to find I them. I keep saying, I, boy, I got to dig those out. Pretty sure at least three of ours are okay. Not sure on one of the kids. Yeah. But I can just leave them home. So. Yeah, they don't. Yeah. At this stage, <laughs> it's time for you to start vacationing on your own. Um, here's a little trick uh, for getting your bags first after a flight. You know, so many of us stand there around that carousel late at night, waiting, 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 and wondering why everybody else's bag has come down except yours. There's uh, three little tricks you could follow. One's a little unethical. One's expensive. And one's risky. But if you check in at the last minute, here's the risky one. If you check in at the last minute, figure out what the cutoff time is for bags for your flight. Usually it's about 45 minutes before takeoff. Then check in at the last minute. Then your bags will be last on the yeah, plane. Last so one's on, on yeah. first one's off. Ask for a fragile sticker. This is a little unethical. But Ooh. ask for a fragile sticker when you check your bag. Fragile bags are loaded towards the end on most flights, assuming luggage handlers notice the sticker. Right, yes. And then the expensive one is fly first class. Because <laughs> you'll get a priority tag on your bag, which means they'll be the first ones to come out. Gotcha. That whole first class thing, huh? Now, the day of the week that supposedly is the most pleasant to fly and least likely to have yourself in the middle of a punch-up is Wednesdays. I would imagine midweek somewhere. And in the morning. Yeah. Because a lot of the... Uh, like. The carriers that are going just to sun vacations, that kind of thing, mm. all happen between Thursday and Sunday. Mm-hmm. People are happiest on Wednesdays and in the morning. They're the most irritable on Sundays and late at night. So if you take the last flight on a Sunday night, that's a pretty good chance you can get punched in the face. Right. Well, and that is, too, one thing you got to decide when you're going on an all-inclusive. Because if you're doing that, like, Sunday night return, mm. especially if you got to work the next morning. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times with the all-inclusive, right, you got to check out the morning. Yeah. So you've already packed your bags. You're stuck kind of just sitting around for six, seven hours yeah. while you wait for your flight home. And then you have delays once you hit home. I'm pretty sure people are upset by that. The only problem with the all-inclusives and those chartered flights is, oh, my gosh, there's so many people on that airplane who act like they've never been out of their bedroom before. <laughs> It's a whole new experience, socializing, flight, booze. It's too much for their little brains to handle. Yeah. Well, for them, too, the vacation starts the night before the flight, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. They get right into it. Oh, yeah. It's a little ridiculous. Anyhow, be prepared for long lines, very expensive flights, of course, with gas prices, and, uh, and maybe a punch in the face. Fun. Well, welcome to vacation. As we know, weddings can be very, very expensive. But it's usually worth it for the couple. Right. Everyone else, not so much. Not even sure if it's really worth it necessarily, unless they get a lot coming back towards them. But mm -hmm. some of them now, you're looking at 50, 60 or more thousand dollar investments. 
Yeah, look, I say this now because it's, you know, in the past and it's not changing. I would suspect I'm not getting married again, but who knows what the future holds. <laughs> but I, uh, if I say this, but I, probably it's not true. But if I could go back, I would have taken the money that was spent and put more down on our home. Right. And have yeah. a smaller event. Now, I don't know that Maria back then would have ever even considered that. It was just ingrained that you had this big church. You're marrying into an Italian family. I'm not right. sure you had much of an option there. No. But even like yourself, if you if you look back now and the money spent on your wedding, would you have rather your uh, your in-laws and your parents to have just cut a, cut a big check and, and say, here's your wedding, here's your gift, it's 50 grand, put it towards a house? Or, right, yeah. You know. Yeah, it's tough to say, it's a, a, you know, hindsight being 2020. Mm. Obviously now when... You know, a lot of people are struggling with debts. They would look back and say, yeah, blowing 20 grand on a night or some or more Mm -hmm. uh, probably wasn't our best spending. But, you know, at the time, it's it's a big life event. Mm -hmm. And as you're planning it, you're, you know, you try and save a little cut costs here and there. But everything's expensive when you attach wedding to its name. Well, and I think if you're in your 20s or early 30s and you're getting married for the first time, still your uh, friends are so much a part of your life because as a single person, you are running with them all the time. And so, yeah, you want them to be a part of that celebration. As you get older and those friends get on with their lives and your life gets busy with what you're doing, they kind of fall by the wayside. So if you look at it now and go, yeah, you know, I could just see like, me and Adrian or me and Maria, you, you know, you go with the parents and somebody down south and, and right. get married and, you know, make it a lot smaller and, and, and easier. With the cost of housing right now, and imagine there's a lot of young couples who are, you know, it, the trend had already been to put off that big wedding mm-hmm. celebration or ceremony and, and you know, if have it at all, then, you know, or wait and to do it into their 30s or after kids. And mm-hmm. it, gets, it doesn't seem like it's so much like, oh, we got to leave the house and get married so we can move into a place together. Right. Right. That, those, that kind of old school concept it seems to be gone mm-hmm. uh, or at least very much on the way out. And Close, with, yeah. with the, the thought of a, of a down play, payment and that being so crazy big right now. That you'd imagine you know, a lot of couples would look and say, hey, look, if we're going to spend 30 or 40 grand on something, it's going to be a place to live. Yeah, no, for sure. And the other thing, too, is really the concept of a wedding and having your bridal parties, it's, it's really kind of rude. And, and really, to, to turn to your best friend and say, hey, I want you to be my best man or my maid of honor, and I'm going to have my sister and my brother, and we're all going to be in the wedding party. There's going to be, you know, six aside, and it's going to cost you over $1,000 each to get through this experience. <laughs> right. I mean, it really is putting a lot of weight, and, and it's unfair because I'm sure there's been many times where, you, you know, you go to your, your best buddy and say, hey, I want you to be in my wedding party, and here's what we're doing, and we're going to Vegas or this, and he goes, I don't I just can't afford it. I'm right. sorry, you know. Yeah, but I think it's been, for many, it's been kind of a, like kind of a badge of honor or, you know, a reward for friendship. You know, want, wanting to say, hey, you've been my best friend through all this time. I want you to be my best man and stand beside me yeah. through all of this. So it, it's almost an acknowledgement of the years of friendship that you've had. Yeah, for all we've done together, and, and I agree with you, but then to turn to him and say, and so with that, yeah, I want you to spend a thousand dollars. Maybe me. You better throw me a hell of a party. I've heard a lot of, of grooms who have kicked in, or, or, or brides who have uh, kicked in, if they really want like an expensive bridesmaid's dress, or they, right, yeah. you know, they'll, they'll come up with some way. But people say it's about a thousand bucks to be in a wedding party. Um, 
they they spend this, of course, on pre-wedding events and the wedding itself. Oh, for sure. And uh, and all the actual other costs that go along with it. And everything is soaring right now. And travel seems to be one of the biggest expenses. People love to go away for stags and bachelorettes. Funny is, I, I, uh, you know, as I get older and my friends, those who are not married, either haven't been or, uh, you know, have already gone through one or two. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, they talk, it might be in relationships and talk about, ah, should we tie the knot in this one? My thinking on it is, do it at New Year's. <laughs> like, do it, just do a, like a New Year's at a restaurant or like not a huge bash. But for me, it's like we always as a group of friends are struggling to come up with, well, all right, where are we going for New Year's? Mm. Whose house are we going to go to? It'd be so much better if someone just planned a party for us. Right. And just called it, all right, it's a New Year's Eve bash. Uh, by the way, we're getting married at it. But, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I guess it would probably cost you triple, though. Yeah, probably more expensive. Yeah. A lot more expensive. The great thing in all of this, Lucky, is we don't have to worry about any of it because we both have boys. So the bride side still pays, right? <laughs> isn't, that, isn't that how that works? Rock Mornings with, with Craig, Craig Venn and Lucky. Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.